From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. And welcome to EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Father Wade Menezes is in the house. If you'd like to talk to Father Wade, give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Plenty of time for your calls, and we would love to hear from you today. If you're outside the United States and Canada, your number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program, also taking care of our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. Matt Kubensky screening your phone calls today, so let's keep him busy throughout the hour at 833-288-EWTN. Our host is he is every single Tuesday, our favorite father of mercy, Father Wade Menezes. How are you? I'm doing very well, Jack, on this Tuesday, and it's good to be with you guys once again. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, toxic, <laughs> your response <laughs> to toxic masculinity. Um, yeah. But before we do that, we wanted to take a moment to uh, sort of uh, turn the ear of our heart to our brothers mm. and sisters in uh, Turkey and uh, where the earthquake, the double earthquakes have uh, taken place along the Turkish and Syrian border. That's exactly right. And I'd love to offer a short litany of, of saints, particularly those saints who did evangelization work in that region of the world. Uh, I came across this online and I thought it was very, very good. Uh, it's a little litany of the saints that, that calls on those particular saints to aid those in this time of crisis. A litany of prayer for the earthquake victims in Turkey and Syria. And as we see the horrendous images, Jack, coming from Turkey and and Syria, where where that 7.8 and 7.5 and 7.7 earthquake uh, brought people uh, from their sleep into the freezing cold uh, and and a day of winter storms that immediately followed, uh, we turn to these saints for their intercession. Um, the shock was felt in Turkey and Syria, as you, as you mentioned, and also even in Lebanon and, and Israel and parts of those regions. And the death toll is already exceeding some 7,000 people by some reports that are coming out. Uh, and this just after, not quite two days after the earthquakes hit. Uh, and so I want to offer this litany in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Peter, the first pope, who preached in Antioch, pray for us. Saints Andrew and Philip, apostles, who preach the word of hope in this very region, pray for us. Saint Paul, who journeyed through the region, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, pray for us. Great doctors of the church and friends and brothers, Saint John Chrysostom, Saint Basil the Great, and Saint Gregory Nazianzen, pray for us. We also call upon St. Cyril of Jerusalem, pray for us. St. John Damascene, pray for us. 
and St. Ephraim, the Syrian, and deacon, pray for us. And of course, we call upon the Immaculate Heart of Mary and Our Lady of Sorrows, Consoler of Syrians, to pray for us. And Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on your suffering people in these areas and countries. We ask these good things through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Jack, uh, last week, you know, our, our topic was temporal and spiritual helps to marriage. And one of the very first callers, in fact, I think he was the first caller, uh, he said that, that a spiritual help and a temporal help combined in his marriage is that he sees his husbandhood as a role of service. And that really impressed me. It impressed me quite a bit. And it reminded me of a list of masculine virtues that I have from a men's talk that I give both at men's conferences and at father-son retreats. After having read the lives of several saints and one blessed, uh, I'd like to share now some, some virtuous characteristics or masculine virtues, if you will, of a good and faithful holy priest, a good and faithful holy married layman, and a good and faithful, holy, single layman. So all three states in life, as seen in the lives, respectively, of Father Michael McGivney and Father Augustine Tolton. Father McGivney, of course, is the founder of the Knights of Columbus, and Father Augustine Tolton is the first African-American priest ordained in the United States. And also St. Thomas More, uh, the great married uh, Lord Chancellor of England, huh? the martyr of England. And Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a single college student and helper of the poor and sick in Italy, who died as a single man only at age 25. So I'd like to, to comb through this list of, of masculine characteristics and, and virtues uh, after having been prompted to do so after that, that great call last week, again, when we were talking about uh, spiritual and temporal helps uh, to marriage, wanting husbands and wives to call in, even maybe to call in together, which this particular couple did. And the husband said that he identifies his husbandhood as one of service, and that's what, that's what prompted me. Before I go into these, I want to say this, speaking now only about uh, husbandhood, uh, married men, although the list of virtues I'm going to give are for not only marrieds, but also singles and priests, as I've already made clear. Um, about husbandhood, though, I want to say this to husbands and fathers out there. Realize that your husbandhood and fatherhood is to be modeled after the leadership of the wise and prudent king. Uh, who, who loves and rules over his kingdom and its inhabitants. Your headship, your leadership, is not to be modeled after the leadership or headship of the superior who rules over his subordinates, the so-called master who rules over his slaves. No, uh, you do not exist as uh, the leader of your family to have your needs met as a husband and father, no, but rather to have your family's needs met. Your leadership is not about you being served, but rather about you serving. Again, the model of the wise and prudent king. Your leadership is about sacrificial love and service. And your chief role model for this is our king and lord and savior, Jesus Christ, right? Who did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And so husbands and fathers, no doubt, as this husband reminded us last week, Jack, they're called to great, great responsibility. So again, some, some uh, masculine characteristics or masculine virtues of a good and faithful holy priest, uh, married layman and single layman, is seen in the lives of Father Michael McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus, 
Father Augustine Tolton, the first African-American priest ordained in the United States, and St. Thomas More, the great married Lord Chancellor of England, as I said, and Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, a single college student and helper of the poor and the sick. So I'm just going to comb through these and then finish up with a, a little something I'd like to, to read to kind of wrap it all up. So here's the list of the, of the virtues. Uh, forgiveness and mercy, some of these double as well as, as characteristics for men. Forgiveness and mercy fatherly instinct, loyalty, compassion, humility, fidelity or faithfulness, lover of wisdom and searcher for truth. That's a big one today, I believe. Fraternity and camaraderie, allegiance, constancy, a providing spirit precisely as a provider. An instilled sense of duty and responsibility. Moral uprightness and strength, such as what's modeled in the life of St. Joseph with his own modesty and purity. Moral uprightness and strength, another big one I think for today. Bravery, chivalry, courage, leadership, or being a good leader, which I just talked about regards, regarding fathers especially. A generous providing spirit, a giver, one who goes outside himself. Huh? Affability and approachability, protector, defender, patriotism, or being a patriot. I think of what St. John Paul II wrote in Crossing the Threshold of Hope just before the great Jubilee year 2000 about the beauty of cultures and loving our fatherland, huh? wherever, wherever we might come from. Steadfastness, moderation, and self-control. One who recognizes the dignity of labor and an instilled sense of valor. So I want to call upon all men this hour, Jack, to call in live and to share with us maybe some virtues that they are working on as men in the midst of their spiritual life. And give a witness call of what it is you're working on in a life of virtue. If you want to share a vice that you are working on to overcome or a vice that you have overcome, that's fine too. But I'm, I'm calling upon men today to share, especially with uh, virtues and virtuous living and virtues that men are working on uh, to, to want to strengthen their spiritual life, to strengthen their manhood, to strengthen their singlehood, their priesthood, and or their married life. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Got a great book in EWTN's Religious Catalog, Prayers of Desperation, A Questioner's Prayer for Answers in the Darkest Moments by the most reverend former Bishop of Birmingham, Robert Baker, the Bishop Emeritus 
here in Birmingham. In his new book, Prayers of Desperation, uh, Bishop Baker explains powerful ways to pray when facing the pain of abandonment, serious illness, addiction, loss of a loved one, or large-scale disaster. We should ship a million of these books to Turkey and Syria. Um, You'll learn important techniques for navigating through unplanned or unwanted situations and the proper spirit in which to pray the how prayer and much more. Bishop Baker includes at the end of each chapter a prayer, scripture passages, quotes from St. Pope John Paul II and Benedict XVI, and a list of recommended readings for each topic. That's the Prayers of Desperation, a questioner's prayer for answers in the darkest moments by Bishop Robert Baker, available at EWTN's religious catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. And Father Wade, you had a couple more things you'd like to say about our springboard topic today. Yeah, just to wrap up, you know, about the virtues, you know, regarding these these list of virtues that I've given uh, for the men today. Uh, you know, the virtues give us a blueprint precisely for being a man, right? Indeed, the very term virtue, V-I-R-T-U-E, comes from the Latin word for man, precisely as male, V-I-R. So the Latin word vir, V-I-R, means male, a man precisely as male, where hominess, H-O-M-I-N-E-S, would be mankind, including both men and women. You know, we talk about all mankind hominess. But when we say the word vir in Latin, uh, we mean mankind precisely as male. Well, that, that word vir is the same Latin root where we get the word virtus from. Virtue. So again, the, the virtues give us a blueprint for being a man. Indeed, the very term virtue comes from the Latin word for man, as male, which is vir, V-I-R. So for the ancients then, for example, Jack, to be manly was precisely to be virtuous. Uh, the term virtue in Latin, virtue, signifies power, strength, and ability, right? Uh, thus, the virtues are habits that give us the power to act in a manly way with sufficient strength to do what is right and just on a continuum. Uh, without virtues, uh, we will neither be godly nor real men. Uh, virtues are the building blocks of character, and without them, our moral lives will eventually collapse under the pressures of the world. Uh, for the Catholic uh, layman, whether married or single, and even for the Catholic priest, uh, the chief earthly iconic example of sound masculine character and virtue uh, is Jesus Christ. It, it's Christ our Lord. Uh, and, and ideally, then now bringing that to an earthly level, uh, for the single man and, and the married man, their earthly iconic example, ideally speaking, would be their parish priest, who's precisely striving for these same goals. Uh, and so that's important to say. Uh, and so I, I'd like the men, again, to call in today and give a witness about what virtue or virtues in the plural that they're working on to strengthen or advance their spiritual life, to become a better husband, to become a better father. Uh, maybe there's a divorced man out there striving to live a chaste life uh, who has not yet received his annulment, uh, who, who is living a chaste life and still goal-directing his children in a fantastic way, and he, he's praying for the strength to continue to do that. Maybe there's a, a, a single person out there, a single young man out there who wants to give us a call today and, and let us know what virtue or virtues he's working on uh, to help strengthen his own interior life, his spiritual life, his prayer life. First up today is Rita, a first-time caller in Kansas City, Missouri, listening on the Ave Maria radio app. Rita, thanks so much for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you, and thank you for taking my call. I'll just keep it really quick here. 
Um, I was wondering what the implications are in your estimation for Catholics who might be employed with companies that have now made the decision to distribute abortion pills. Yeah, it's it's the same uh, with those same companies that even uh, uh, prescribe contraception, for example. Uh, this is a very, very uh, tricky dilemma for the person with conscience. Uh, we look to the church's teaching in a full twofold way. Uh, first of all, uh, has the employee who has the conscience, who has qualms of conscience about this, have they gone through the proper channels to express their, their conscientious uh, objection to doing that? Let's say they're working as a pharmacist behind the pharmacy window to be exempted from uh, prescribing those pills. Uh, have they done that? So th- there's certain elements on the employee's part that they can do sit down with their employer, their immediate superior at the work location, and discuss that first. Second, they also have to take some comfort, Rita, in the church's teaching, the church's moral teaching, and and the late Pope Benedict XVI wrote a lot about this, uh, on remote versus proximate cooperation in the evil. Okay? Are they remotely involved with the evil, meaning from a distance, or are they proximately involved with the evil? Uh, up close to the evil. Uh, so an example there, and I don't mean in distribution of the evil, in this case the product of, of, of the abortion pill, I'm talking about uh, are they up close, uh, proximate, or far removed, remote, from uh, getting the store to provide it to the public? Uh, that's a question. So do they work at the particular, let's call it a certain chain store, let's call it chain store A, uh, a drugstore chain of some type. Uh, do they work at drugstore a, drugstore chain A, precisely because it distributes abortion pills and they want to do that, they, want, they have that mentality that they, they, they want to do that, or are they working at the store for other reasons, for their livelihood, they got their pharmaceutical license, it's, it's been on their heart to be a pharmacist for, for several decades, they went to school for it. Uh, so we got to understand the church's teaching, which can give peace of mind uh, regarding the proximate versus remote cooperation in the evil. Now, that said, Rita, that does not uh, negate the fact that they should not approach their, their employer and ask to receive an exemption for that. And if they don't get it from their employer, they should write to their local congressperson uh, to see what can be done in regards to getting uh, uh, laws introduced for those exemptions. So there's a hierarchy of, of needs that need to be met here, rather than just straight up go away and quitting, because that could, that could affect their livelihood as well to a, to a detriment, and we surely would not want that either. So so great question. I, I would encourage you to look at some of the writings of Pope Benedict XVI, especially in his, in his work, Donum Vitae, Gift of Life. God bless you now. Thank you so much. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. We've got a couple of open lines and plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Mary Pat is in Trenton, New Jersey, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Mary Pat, you're on with Father Wade. Hi. I'm sorry my question isn't on topic, but um, I was wondering what encouragement you have, Father, to someone who lives with extreme scrupulosity. Great question. Great question. Well, first, I would encourage that person to have a spiritual director 
uh, who could guide them away from that scrupulosity. Remember, whereas a confessor, Mary Pat, must be a priest, a spiritual director does not necessarily need to be a priest. It may be a priest, but it doesn't have to be a priest. Uh, I've said before in the past on Open Line Tuesday, some of the most edifying spiritual directors that I've met just in passing uh, have been lay people with their uh, clinician's license as a psychologist or whatever, or a family therapist, and uh, their way of tithing to their parish is that they give a certain amount of hours per week at their parish, and the parish even provides them with an office, uh, to give spiritual direction. And if the priest is stationed there by himself with no associate pastors to help him out, this greatly, greatly assists the pastor having this layperson who's licensed uh, serve as a spiritual director to some of the parishioners. It doesn't mean the pastor himself can't be a spiritual director. In fact, in one of the parishes, he also acted as, as a spiritual director to some of his parishioners, but he had assistance to do it. And in both cases, the pastor was by himself. So that's a great thing. So that's the first thing I would want to make clear to the person, is that they want to find a spiritual director who could guide them through this. Scrupulosity, for our listeners who may not know exactly what we mean by the word scrupulosity or being scrupulous, it's seeing sin where there is no sin, or seeing, for example, mortal sin when in reality it's venial sin, or seeing venial sin when in reality it's just a daily fault or weakness. Huh? Uh, they're seeing sin where there is not sin. And the, and the first person I ever heard that that definition on scrupulosity from, and I, I like the succinctness of it, that definition, was from Father Mitch Pacwa when he helped me fine-tune uh, uh, a sheet that I would felt called to put together for my parish missions, uh, Ten Commandments for Those Who Might Struggle with Scrupulosity. So, Mary Pat, to begin uh, helping the person, I would recommend they go to fathersofmercy.com, which is my community. I'm a member of the Fathers of Mercy, Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, go to fathersofmercy.com, and on the search bar, which comes up on the, the home screen once you click on the magnifying glass icon, just type in the words, Ten Commandments, Scrupulosity. Ten Commandments, Scrupulosity. And what will show up as a document, a PDF document ready to print out, is my Ten Commandments for those who might struggle with scrupulosity. And it's ten guides to help get them on the right track. But I don't think that will help them in and of itself. I, I think that sheet of Ten Commandments for those who might suffer with scrupulosity, I, I believe they're going to need an actual spiritual director to guide them as well. So I would recommend the direction, uh, also a good confessor periodically, at least once every four to eight weeks, um, a good confessor. I'm a big advocate of monthly confession, but if the person is severely suffering from scruples, it's better if they go maybe once every four to eight weeks, maybe at six weeks every month and a half. And then once they they can get away from their scrupulosity, then they can maybe go back to the monthly practice of confession without scrupulosity, right? Um, so uh, be, be obedient to the, the good advice that your confessor gives you, be obedient to the good advice that your spiritual director gives you, and begin by looking at, at my sheet uh, that Father Mitch helped me fine-tune, uh, Ten Commandments for Those Who Might Struggle with Scrupulosity. And remember, the, the Holy Spirit does not torment the Holy Spirit brings peace. In fact, that's one of my points, one of my ten points of the Ten Commandments for those who might suffer from scrupulosity. You'll, you'll read it there once you print it off, the Fathers of Mercy website. The Holy Spirit does not torment. The Holy Spirit brings peace. And usually when a scrupulous person makes their confession, they're still immediately tormented. That, that's not of God. That's not of the Blessed Trinity. That's not of the Son, the second person who came to... 
uh, save us and redeem us. It's not of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, who comes to give us peace. And it's not from the Father uh, who calls us to himself constantly. So that's another thing. And, and pay attention to that one. I think it's number eight on the list. The, remember, as a scrupulous person, the, 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 the Holy Spirit does not torment but brings peace. And I might add this. I think I've said this before also on Open Line Tuesday before. Uh, at every Mass, Mary Pat, what do we say as a congregation right after we pray the Our Father? Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, I leave you peace, my peace I give you, right? He wants to give us his peace, Mary Pat. He doesn't want us to fall to pieces. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Grab one of these open phone lines. Still plenty of time for your calls. Next up is Jaime in Houston, Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Jaime, you're on with Father Wade. Uh, Hello. Hello, Jaime. I am. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. I am a male, married, been married for 28 years. Praise God. Praise God. Just uh, have been struggling lately with the virtue of prayer. Okay. A strong uh, prayer life? A, a weak prayer life. But at the same time, I struggle because knowingly, I know, like a, a deacon told me a long time ago, it's got to be done. Yeah. And I I still struggle with that quite a bit. Okay, and well, very good. I wanna get, yeah, what? I want to, yes, sir, I, I, I want to get to a point where I guess throughout my day, that I got left, uh, I just want to be thankful and pray, pray, uh, praising God all the, all throughout every day of my life. Great. And hopefully at every moment, Jesus says, uh, when you pray, pray always and, and, and also be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. But, but what does he mean by that? Well, he means, for example, that our work can become our prayer by our Faithfulness to daily duty, what I like to call the theology of faithfulness to daily duty. So the first thing I would do is share with you this. You're, 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 you want to make your prayer life stronger. You feel it's lacking. Uh, first of all, I got to say, Jaime, you have a, a great uh, aptitude for the virtue of patience because you hung on that phone line for a long time. <laughs> so I want to commend you on that. So, so you seem to have some good patience. So hang in there with the prayer life and have that same patience towards the prayer life. First thing I would tell you is this, Jaime, you want your prayer life to be sacramental, focused on the sacraments. For example, at least monthly confession, weekly Eucharist, weekly reception of the Holy Eucharist, okay? Maybe a weekly visit to the Blessed Sacrament, even if it's just for 15 minutes, if you're not able to do a holy hour, okay? Uh, that would be the first thing. You want it to be sacramental. The other thing you want it to be is, is pietistic, okay? Piety. You want to foster, hopefully, with your wife and children, if there's still any children living at home, the family rosary. 
which is so important, you know? Uh, also, the daily Divine Mercy Chaplet, which only takes about seven minutes to pray. The rosary only takes about 16 or 17 minutes to pray, a five-decade rosary. And, it, and, and begin by alternating them, one-day rosary, one-day chaplet, one-day rosary, one-day cha- chaplet. If you and your wife are empty nesters now, and there's no children in the home, or maybe you and your wife have never had children, then pray your rosary and chaplet side by side while getting in a, a good walk together. You know, going out for a couple's walk and praying together, okay? Or at, at home, light a candle. Maybe you have a beautiful statue of the Sacred Heart on your fireplace mantle, or a, a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Light a candle in front of it. Dim the lights and pray your five-decade rosary as a couple, okay? So sacramental and pietistic. Sa- the sacraments and piety is my point. Thirdly, I want to tell you this, and I've already alluded to it a little bit, uh, you want to realize that not only your prayer is pleasing to God, but also your work, your faithfulness to daily duty is pleasing to God. So this is a third category in addition to the sacraments and piety that I'm suggesting to you. But guess what? There's another category in addition to the prayer itself and to your faithfulness to your daily duty, your work that's pleasing to God. It's your leisure, your recreation. I've said this many times before on Open Line Tuesday. Uh, God is pleased when we offer him everything throughout the given day, right? Everything throughout the given day. Not only our prayer proper, the rosary, the chaplet, our going to Mass, uh, our going to the sacraments, uh, you know, confession once a month. Not only that, but he's also pleased when we offer him our prayer, our work, and our recreation. And we get this teaching on the fact that we can offer all three of those to God on a daily basis, our prayer, work, and recreation from St. Thomas Aquinas. He says we're not meant to pray constantly because it will fatigue, make tired, the soul. We're not meant to work constantly because it will fatigue or make tired the body. And we're not meant to recreate or leisure constantly because we run the risk of leading ourselves into many vices, huh? A very viceful life because everything is about you know, uh, uh, recreation and leisure and not getting serious about a prayer life and not getting serious about a work life, faithfulness to daily duty. So instead, we need a balance of all three, prayer, work, and recreation. Why? Because we're a body-soul composite. That's why, okay? So you want the sacraments to be a part of your prayer life, you want piety to be a part of your prayer life, and you want to have a new mode of thinking, a new way of thinking, that your prayer, your work, and your recreation can be a strong part of your prayer life, you know? When I, when I sit down to, to write a homily, when I sit down to go online to get my, my next air flight ticket for a, a, a series of three week-long missions I've given in a row, so I'm going to be buying a lot of flight legs here on this one big airline uh, itinerary. I, I don't look forward to doing that, but I make an act of the will to say, you know what, this is for God's greater glory— Think of all the people I'll be preaching at these three parish missions, each one a week long that's side by side. Yeah, it's going to involve three to four legs of air flights that i got to figure out now online. It's, it'll be for God's greater glory, and I'm going to offer this act up. Even though it's an act of work that I don't particularly look forward to, it's an act of work that I can offer up as a pleasing sacrifice to God. You know, so make, don't make prayer your work. Make work your prayer. Do those do those helps kind of give you an, an assistance there, Jaime? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I I truly appreciate the the uh, words that you uh, gave me, and uh, I hope I hope and 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 will keep my hope 
Uh, and and don't, uh, don't hesitate also, Jaime, to, to share the struggles of your prayer life the next time you go to confession. And just mention it simply. Say, Father, any suggestions for, uh, 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 my, to strengthen my prayer life? I, I recently called into a Catholic radio show, and I was given three guides, the, making the sacraments a strong part of my prayer life, piety a strong part of my prayer life, especially with my wife and children, and also making my prayer, my work, and re- my recreation as pleasing sacrifices to God. Share that with the priest and see if he offers anything else. Thank you for your call, Jamie. We, Jaime, we really appreciate it very much. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Next up is Kathleen, a first-time caller in Detroit, Michigan, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Kathleen, welcome to the program. You're on with Father Wade. Okay. Hi there. Uh, thank you, Father Wade, for um, taking my call. Uh, my question is about in vitro fertilization. Um, my husband and I had a tremendous desire for children, so we underwent a few rounds of in vitro fertilization, unfortunately, without any success. And um, my question is, is, is it a mortal sin, uh, what we did? And um, I've never confessed it. So if, if I were to die tonight, would I go to hell? Well, thanks for your call, Kathleen. We really appreciate it. Remember, in order to sin, you have to will it. And it sounds like the way you're asking the question that you were just somehow informed, maybe through reading something that you came across in, in Catholic literature, or maybe looking at the catechism or whatever, that, that that's morally illicit to seek that mode out of conception. And so your, 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 your conscience was just re- fairly recently informed about it, and 25 years ago, when you and your husband sought it out in what you thought was good faith that you could do it, you, you were ignorant of that fact that it was morally illicit. So you can't sin unless you will it. Now that said, once the intellect has become informed that, um, that something was sinful that you've done in your past, then it's good the next time you go to confession to confess it and confess it simply. All you would need to say is exactly what you just said, my husband and I, to to the confessor. My husband and I sought out in vitro a few times. At the time, we did not know it was sinful, but recently I've been made aware that it's morally illicit in the Church's teaching, especially in the section on the Catechism that talks about it, um, and why that's the case, because it's outside the marital act, which needs to be protected. Um, uh, I've been made aware of this, so I want to confess it simply. That's all you need to say. Exactly what you told me at the beginning of your questioning just now, Kathleen, is all you would need to tell the priest, and it's forgiven. So I would say that you were you were... Uh, innocent when you did it, because there was no will involved. You had no instruction of your conscience, and thus you didn't will to sin. In fact, quite the opposite. But remember, even if that's the case, it doesn't change the, the, the fact that the act itself is still sinful. So now that the intellect's been informed that it's sinful, you want to confess it and confess it simply. Okay, that's, does that help you out? Yes, yes, because, um, yeah, you summarized it exactly. At the time, we didn't know that we were doing a mortal sin. And yeah, and there's a section in the Catechism, too. Um, I'm trying to look up the uh, the 
I think it's in the 2300s, look in the 2370s of of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the 23, you know, each paragraph is numbered in the Catechism. Uh, Look at 2376, for example, there's techniques involving only the married couple, which are called homologous artificial uh, means of fertilization or of insemination. That's where the gametes stay only within the couple. So that's less reprehensible, at least, because at least the gametes are staying with the couple. Then um, uh, th- that's the homologous, meaning same. Then there's heterologous means of insemination and fertilization, where a third-party gamete is is invited in to to conceive for the couple. And that's a worst-case scenario because of a third party, it's a species of adultery. But the, the fact is, is that both are considered morally illicit. And the Church has good reasoning for that, to want to protect marriage and the family unit as the cell of society, or the nucleus of society, which is number 2207 of the Catechism. So just to kind of refresh uh, your intellect, uh, to, to reinform your intellect, or to more fully inform your intellect, I should say, why don't you look at the 2370s, like 2376 and 2377 and 2378 of the Catechism. It'll, it'll give you a greater clarity as to why that uh, means is wrong to, to conceive, although you were innocent 25 years ago when you sought it out with your spouse. So, so remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't torment. The Holy Spirit brings peace. And I'm so glad you called in today with this question, because you're probably aiding a lot of other individuals, too. Uh, remember the words of the Our Father right after uh, we pray the Our Father at every single Mass we attend, right? Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, I leave you peace, my peace I give you. He wants to give us his peace, Kathleen. He does not want us to fall to pieces. God bless you, and thanks for a great witness call. Next up is Matt in Grand Rapids, Michigan, listening on the EWTN app. Matt, you're on with Father Wade. Thank you so much, Father Wade. Can you hear me okay? I sure can, Matt. Thanks for your call. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'm in the middle of a workout, and I can't stop, so I'm going to try this while working out. And how I'm going to... Phrase this is uh, threefold history, what I'm doing now, and what I'd like to see more men do. Okay. This is more of a testimony to get the guys out there to do it and quit standing around or sitting down watching games all day. So, anyways, here it is history. 67 year old, divorced 23 years ago, worked in healthcare for 41 years as a, well, I'll just leave it at that. I'm also a health and wellness coach, life coach. I'm a martial art instructor 40 years. And I that's basically my background, what I do. And I'm also an entertainer. So I, uh, I play music. So anyways, so uh, I got an annulment. I married a wonderful woman years ago. And I cradle Catholic, Irish Catholic family, Detroit, Michigan, East Side in the 60s. Okay, she was not Catholic. She asked me, you always seem so happy, Matt. What is it? Well, I'm a Catholic, and I, I know God will take care of everything. So I was, well, let's look into that. So 12 years ago, thank God, we went to RCIA, and she went through it, and now she's Catholic. We celebrate her baptism every year, as well as mine. And uh, as of this time, although the divorce happened, and like I said, I got the annulment, I have never met my son-in-law. My daughter got married three and a half years ago. Never met him. I haven't been able to talk to my daughter in 18 years. And I never, she had a child a year and a half ago. Never held my grandchild. Uh, and it hurts. 
But, however, to, uh, I'll get into what I'm doing about that. So, and they don't want anything to do with me. Now, the marriage didn't break down because of infidelity. It was a matter of parental alienation where I was basic, basically told I was just scum every day I walked in the house. I went through psychology, psychologists, and basically they gave me two, two options. You've got to get out of the toxic environment, or you've got to find a way to stay. Well, I decided to get out of the toxic environment, thought it was okay. met my beautiful wife, and that's, so that's the backdrop. So it sounds sounds like you're encouraging the men that despite stumbling blocks and whatnot to keep moving forward. And and the fact that an annulment was was judged in the affirmative on your behalf tells us that through the Church's authority, the first marriage was never sacramental. And now you're in a a marriage, really your first marriage, because the first one was never sacramental to begin with by way of the annulment. You're now in a marriage in the Church that we have every reason to believe is sacramental. So you're telling me that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that that it's important to keep moving forward. It's important to keep remaining that optimism with the faith and with your daily secular life and to merge the two and keep them united and to keep moving forward. Is that, is, that, is that right? Most men, yes, most men get stuck in going yeah. out. And the other thing they do, they find a woman who's going to listen to them, and then they make the same mistake over. And right, they, what right. they need to do is quit complaining and get on with their life. So, okay, in terms of my kids, imagine not meeting your grandchild. I keep a journal on her. My daughter, I keep a journal. You know, and I just write as though I'm talking because someday... I just pray, and it's going to happen. Okay, this is, I'm in the part of what I'm doing. Okay, men need to get out there and, and talk about their faith. And I created about 10 years ago this talk called It's Cool to Be Catholic. I, I go out and do schools, elementary school and high schools, for children 4 to 12th grade. And I talk about why it's so cool be Catholic, and I have like eight talks right now, different nights, under that umbrella, and one of the talks is, why is it cool to be Catholic? Because we've got the saints, because we've got the mass, because we've got the saints. Amen. I, <laughs> Amen all that. <laughs> you know, uh, Matt, I got to tell you, um, I, I'm a big, big believer in merging the secular life with the faith life, and I kind of sum it up this way. If you truly, really, and sincerely Uh, involve the three divine persons, the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in your daily life with firm and deliberate intention and will, you can accomplish more by accident than what you set out to do on purpose. And I'm a, I'm a living witness of that. I could write a book on things that have happened when I didn't even try to have them happen. And, uh, and I really credit it to the Blessed Trinity and to the angels and saints and to keeping my life active with them involved. And uh, also uh, just with a, a, my community, which I love dearly, the Fathers of Mercy, our community life, our individual prayer life uh, here at the house, as well as when we're on the road traveling alone, but also the community prayer life when we come back. It's so important. And it's important as well to keep moving forward. One last thing I would want to share with you, Matt, is uh, commend daily, commend daily your grandchild and your daughter that you haven't spoken to for 18 years and your grandchild you haven't seen for a year and a half. Commend them both daily, along with your son-in-law, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary and see what happens because they will not let you down. A reunification will somehow, some way, praise God, come about. But you got to commit them daily 
Commend them daily to the sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary. God bless you now, Matt. Thanks for a great witness call. We really appreciate it. You know, on Tuesdays on Open Line, we talk faith, family, and fellowship, but we do this program every day, Monday through Friday. Join us tomorrow on Wednesday. Father Mitch Pack was in the house talking church teaching, ancient languages, and the like. That's EWTN's Open Line Wednesday, tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time, right here on EWTN Radio. Kevin is in the great state of New Hampshire watching us on YouTube today. Kevin, you're on with Father Wade. Thank you. Good afternoon, Father Wade. Good to talk with you again. Thank you, Kevin. Father, I have a question, not so much of a question, but if you can talk a little bit about praying to Our Lady of Sorrows to identify those vices that we may hold on to that we're either not aware of or we just can't get rid of, and then also talk about the uh, corresponding uh, virtues that go along to help uh, counteract, so to speak, those vices. Um, I heard it said once by a priest that it's, it's beneficial to do that, but be careful um, what you find out, because you may not like it. So you can talk a little bit about that. I think it may help uh, the men out there. Yeah, well, great question. Well, I, I never—I uh, presume you're saying specifically Our Lady of Sorrows, Kevin, because uh, the vices bring sorrow to our lives. You didn't say why you're praying specifically to her when re- in regards to overcoming vice or dealing with a particular vice in one's life, but I presume that's what you mean. How, how, can, how can we pray to Our Lady of Sorrows to have uh, more— um, a, a greater enlightenment of what it is we need to get out of our lives. Well, remember, you can't pray to Our Lady of Sorrows without looking at the triumph of the cross. Remember, her her feast day uh, is September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows. It's one of our Blessed Mother's 2,600 titles, right? It's celebrated on September 15th uh, every year. But what's the day before, September 14th? It's a feast day. It's the feast day of the triumph of the cross. So I would say pray to our Blessed Mother to not only enlighten your intellect and to strengthen your will, uh, to lead you closer to her son by overcoming the vice in question that you've discerned that, that you're suffering from, impatience, uh, uh, impurity, wh- whatever, uh, the need to be right, uh, um, uh, preconceived notions, all, all these negatives, you know, uh, that, can, that can have an adverse effect in our daily life, whether our family life, our work life, or our friendship life. Um, remember that, that there's the triumph of the cross is, is involved per se in this picture as well. Because we wouldn't have Our Lady of Sorrows unless there was the triumph of the cross. And this is why the Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, places um, those two uh, feast days side by side. Uh, The triumph of the cross on September 14th is literally a feast day, uh, and then Our Lady of Sorrows is a memorial on the 15th, the very next day. As far as the seven capital sins, you know, each, each one of them has an opposite cor- corresponding extreme, which can be just as bad in the person's life, even though it's the antithesis, the opposite of the capital sin. So the capital sin of pride, uh, the traditional seven capital sins are pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. So with pride, the opposite extreme is self-loathing. You see nothing good about yourself, right? It's the opposite of pride, self-loathing. Both are bad, right? How about greed? Opposite extreme, wastefulness. Both are bad, right? Lust. What's the opposite of lust? Prudishness, being a prude about things dealing with human sexuality. And that's just wrong because human sexuality is a great gift. We want to protect it and covet it in a good way and see it expressed in its proper, uh, in its proper ways, in its proper confines. Namely, within a, a marital covenant between one man one woman for life, as far as its, its actual expression goes. Uh, anger. Uh, opposite extreme, servility. 
first cousin of self-loathing, right? Gluttony, opposite extreme, deficiency. Just as bad as gluttony, right? Because it's the opposite extreme, deficiency. Think of anorexia nervosa, for example. Uh, Envy, uh, opposite extreme would be timidity or cowardice. It's the second cousin of self-loathing. That makes envy the second cousin of pride, by the way, and it makes uh, anger the first cousin of pride. And then with sloth, the opposite extreme of sloth is workaholism. That's very bad, too. So both are bad. So you got the seven capital sins and their opposite extremes. But in the middle of those two extremes, you have the seven capital virtues. In order, I give them to you now as I gave you the, the vices. Humility counteracts pride and self-loathing. Generosity counteracts greed and wastefulness. Chastity counteracts lust and prudishness. Uh, meekness or patience counteracts anger and servility. Temperance counteracts gluttony and deficiency. Kindness counteracts envy and cowardice or timidity, and diligence, the virtue of diligence, counteracts sloth and workaholism. So we want to work on the virtues to answer your question. Now, if you go to the seven capital sins, uh, if you type in those words, seven capital sins, at fathersofmercy.com on the search bar at the homepage, seven capital sins, click on the magnifying glass icon, the search bar comes up, simply type in seven capital sins, opposite extremes. Seven capital sins, opposite extremes. And you'll see immediately uh, my, uh, my three-column list of what I just gave you. The, the seven capital sins in the far left column, the opposite extremes in the far right column, and the, the capital virtues in the middle, right? So there's that. Everything I just said is, is, is printable on your home printer as a PDF document. So go to fathersofmercy.com, and on the search bar at the homepage, after clicking on the magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner, just type on the search bar, seven capital sins, opposite extremes, or seven capital sins and opposite extremes, and it comes right up. Does that kind of help you out there, Kevin? That is excellent, Father. I have gone to the Fathers of Mercy for other information, so I will definitely go there. Uh, I also lead the Men of St. Joseph. It's a men's group um, in our parish, so I think I'll uh, use that as one of our uh, talking points. Great. Up in the next couple of months. Great. Very good. Uh, send an email to f- the regular email contact at fathersofmercy.com addressed to me, asking me to send you my St. Joseph litany and the seven joys and seven sorrows of St. Joseph. Then I'll e- email that to you, and you can make copies of it for your men's group. Uh, it's the litany on one side and the seven joys and seven sorrows of St. Joseph on the other side. Thank you so much, Kevin, for the phone call. We are flat out of time. Ben. If you will call Women of Grace tomorrow if you're available at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, it's Wacky Wednesday with Sue Brinkman. They can tackle that topic. And Anne in Des Moines, Iowa, call back tomorrow and talk to Father Mitch. He can answer this question for you with uh, a definitive tone uh, tomorrow on Open Line Wednesday. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? Certainly, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. On behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, our producer and social media maven, Mr. Michael McCall, and our call screener, Matt Kubensky. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless. God bless.